Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to the Friday broadcast of Hope for Your Heart. I want you to know today that God values the lost. Have you lost something? You know, the more important something is, the more diligent you will search for it. I mean, if you lose your cell phone, uh, you're going to search diligently until you have found it. I've even turned around after driving 30 minutes to go back to get my cell phone. You see, you don't stop looking until you find it. A pastor tells a story of a group of students that were on a missions trip, and it was a great trip with lots of good ministry taking place. The drama team and the preaching team were sharing the gospel. Lots of good projects were completed. When it came time to leave, the group had a midnight flight home. Uh, The students all went through the passport line. The sponsors all went through the line. But when the pastor got to the passport checkout, he couldn't find his passport. Oh, he searched high and low. He searched the pockets of his pants and all of his carry-on luggage. Panic began to set in as he explained his situation to the passport police. They were unmoved by the pastor's plight. Well, all of a sudden... One of the sponsors started waving at the pastor, had his passport in hand. You see, he was searching diligently until he found that passport. Listen, God wants to so much have a relationship with you. The Bible tells us that the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. I love that. The offer of salvation that is offered to all people is delivered by the grace of God. God makes that grace apparent to us all. And because of that grace of God, we're able to say no to ungodliness and no to worldly passions. And we're able to live a self-controlled and upright in a godly life. Well, I've got some really good news for you today. God's grace is available for you. It doesn't matter how reckless you may think you are. It doesn't matter how undeserving you may feel. I want you to know that God's grace is available to you. As a matter of fact, I want to give you an understanding of God's grace based on the story of Jonah. There's a book in the Bible called Jonah. Now, Jonah is not the hero of that book. The hero of that book is God. Well, let me give you an overview of what happens in the book of Jonah. In chapter number one, Jonah runs from God. In chapter number two, Jonah prays. One of the best prayers we have in all of Scripture is Jonah chapter two. In Jonah chapter number three, Jonah preaches a sermon. It's a very short sermon, but it brings about revival. Chapter number four, Jonah pouts. So when we look at the overview of the book of Jonah, the fish is mentioned four times. The city is mentioned nine times. Jonah is mentioned 18 times. But God is mentioned over 38 times. Now, Jonah is remembered by many, not because he was a prophet, but because he was the unfortunate guy who got swallowed up by a great fish. Now, Jonah had no desire to be God's prophet. As a matter of fact, he tried to run from that duty. It ended him up 
about being eaten by a great big fish. And then he was sent to do the job of prophesying anyway. Now, Jonah, fed up with it all, did not give a deeply impassioned speech. Uh, He didn't have a long sermon. It was a very short sermon. The sermon was basically eight words, 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Well, it was enough of a sermon to get the word across, and all of the Ninevites repented. Now, just to show that God can deliver grace, even though it's through oftentimes a terrible mouthpiece. So today, I hope and pray that you will and you have and you will continue to experience God's grace. Here are seven ways that God reveals His grace to us. Number one, this is from Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God speaks grace to the disgrace. It says that the word came to Jonah. And the word was this, Jonah, go to that great city of Nineveh. Preach against it. You see, its wickedness has come up before me. Now, I want you to know that whenever God speaks, he always speaks grace because that's his nature. God is gracious all the time. You know, I often say to the inmates as we begin a worship service, I'll say, now, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. I am good some of the time, but God is good all of the time. You see, God is indeed gracious all of the time. It says in Genesis chapter 6 that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Now, would you do me a favor? I'm asking for grace. When God speaks, he speaks with a purpose. God says, now, Jonah, here is what I want you to do. You are Hebrew. You know me. I know you. Now, I want you to go to proclaim this message of grace to a group of people who don't know me. They are the Ninevites. When God spoke to Jonah, God knew that Jonah was going to reject that message. God knew that he was going to go in the opposite direction. God knew that Jonah was going to board a ship, encounter a storm, end up being swallowed by a big fish, but God in his grace still shared that message. So here's my question to you. What message of grace is God speaking to you right now? Who is it that he wants you to share his grace with? Now, I want you to know that God's grace is apparent to all or is given to all or made available to all. If you choose not to be the mouthpiece to share that grace, it doesn't diminish God's grace, but you will lose the opportunity to receive a blessing by being that grace mouthpiece. So we've learned, first of all, God speaks grace even to the disgraced. Number two, God gives grace for the disgrace. Let's go down to verse number three. But Jonah ran away from the land, and he headed toward Tarshish. In other words, he went in the exact opposite direction. He went down to Joppa, where he found the ship for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So several things here. But I want you to know, We can never outrun the grace of God. 
Even while Jonah was attempting to run from God's grace, he was actually experiencing God's grace. He paid the fare provided by God's grace. He fled using the oxygen in his lungs provided by God's grace. He even had the cognitive ability to run from God, that ability that was given to him by God's grace. You've got to be in pretty good health to run. You've got to be in in pretty good financial shape to pay the fare of a ship. Only strong and healthy people can run. Has it ever occurred to you that in your times of running from God, the very health and the very money that you are using is a gift of the grace of God? Now, here's my question. What does God want me to stop running from now? Is it fear of failure? What would you do this year if you knew you would not fail? You see, God gives His grace even to those who feel unworthy, even to those who feel disgraced. Jonah ran from the Lord. He headed in the opposite direction, but God wasn't done with him. Jonah was fleeing from the Lord, but he could not outrun the Lord. So we've learned so far that God gives His grace as he speaks to the disgrace, as he gives grace to the disgrace. And then number three, even in storms, God displays his grace. It says that the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and a violent storm arose. As a matter of fact, it was such a violent storm that it threatened to break up the ship. All of the sailors, now these were seasoned sailors, All of them were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Well, see, the storms of God's grace produce changes that could not have occurred otherwise. And now these sailors, they're afraid. So now God has their attention. They are tried and true sailors who have seen some storms. But they had seen nothing like this storm. So what do they do? Uh, They cry out in fear to their gods. They try to lighten the ship. They do everything they knew to do, but everything they did didn't work. But God's grace was doing something else, something else to Jonah. Great wind, violent storm, destructive storm, fearful, crying out to God. And we discover that there's this cry and this call to action. You know, God's grace is even displayed in storms. You know, I think there's three types of storms that we face in life. Storm number one would be what I would call perfecting storms. This is when God allows hardships into our lives to make us stronger spiritually. You know, Job went through a perfecting storm. The Bible says that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when endurance is fully developed, You will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Uh, That's what James wrote about that perfecting of our faith. It only is done through the testing, through the storms of life. So there's perfecting storms. The second kind of storms that we face is what I would call protecting storms. That's the kind of storm that the disciples experienced. Remember, they're out in the Sea of Galilee. I mean, Jesus had just performed perhaps his most popular miracle, the feeding of 5,000 people. The people loved that miracle. 
And as we look at this, we see Jesus did a lot of other great miracles. I mean, he restored people from the dead. He, he rose them from the dead and, and he restored sight to those who could not see and he restored hearing to those who could not hear. Incredible. About a free lunch. Now, now we're talking, right? The crowd wanted to make Jesus king by force. So Jesus said to the disciples, in effect, let's get into that boat. Uh, we're headed out of here. He delivered his disciples from what would have been a lot of adulation, a lot of praise, which would have created a lot of problems. And so God says, I'm going to take you on a little trip, and I'm going to protect you from being filled with pride. I'm going to bring you right into a storm so that you can experience this protection. There's a third reason why we have storms, or a third type of storm, and I would call this correcting storms. These are the storms that that we basically bring upon ourselves. I, I guess we'd call these the law of sowing and reaping storms, reaping the consequences for our actions. You see, Jonah was in a correcting storm. It was all his fault. He brought it upon himself. So today, uh, what storm do you need to stop fearing? Maybe you're fearful that you're going to run out of money. Listen, God will protect you. Maybe you're fearful that your health is going to give up. Uh, Listen, God will protect you. Maybe you're fearful that a storm is going to overwhelm you. And hey, listen, God wants to perfect you in that storm. Uh, Maybe you're going in the wrong direction. And that's why you're having a storm in your life. Listen, God wants to correct you. Uh, Maybe you're fearful of cancer. Maybe you're fearful of your job ending or your marriage ending or your health ending. I want you to know that God is with you every step of the way. Even in the storms of life, God displays his grace. There's a fourth reason that that we can see God's grace. You see, God speaks to those with grace, even those who are disgraced. God gives his provisions, even to those who don't deserve it. Even in the storms of life, God is with us. And number four, God gives us his grace by giving us sleep. Even those who are disgraced are able to sleep. Look at verses five and six. Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and he fell into a deep sleep. Now get that. You would think the stress of running from God, the pressure of being in the middle of the storm, you would think that Jonah would be sleepless, but he wasn't. He fell into a deep sleep. As a matter of fact, the captain went down to him and said, how in the world can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Listen, when the world sees us asleep, only caring about our own problems, the world sometimes will rebuke the church. When the world sees us not evangelizing because we're too at ease, I want you to know that that God gives us sleep, but But sleep should propel us to do the work, not to become lazy. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it says, 
The Lord Jesus Christ was eternally rich and, and glorious and exalted. But though he was rich, for your sake, he became poor. Now Jonah is in a deep sleep. He was comatose. He had so worn himself out, trying to outrun the grace of God that he fell asleep. And so the captain wakes him up and he says, how can you sleep at a time like this? Call upon your God. The captain, in essence, is saying to Jonah, do something good with your faith. Don't hide it. Don't hide it in hibernation. Help us. Pray to God. In Jeremiah 51, Jeremiah has just finished reading the book. And as he's finishing reading the book, he takes it and he ties a stone to it and he throws it into the Euphrates. Then he says, Thus Babylon shall sink and not rise from the catastrophe that I will bring upon her, and they shall be weary. Thus are the words of Jeremiah. Now, the reason I put that verse in is because there is a connection. Babylon is sinking from the weight of rejecting God's word. Jeremiah is crying out to his people to come back to God, but they are rejecting God's word. It's like God's word is being thrown into the river of Euphrates and is placed at the bottom and it sinks, and then catastrophe falls upon them. Jonah is given the same task. God was about to destroy the Ninevites. God was giving him one last effort. If he could only get his prophet to wake up, to wake up and share that message, Maybe, maybe there's somebody in your life right now. They need to hear God's grace through your lips. They need you to minister to them. They're about to sink from the weight of rejecting God's word. And God has raised you up to be that person for such a time as this. You know, I pray often for inmates. I just finished reading a book by an inmate who talked about his life and and all the twists and the turns that he encountered because he made some really small choices that were bad choices that began to multiply. They, they began to fester. They began to grow. He decided that instead of complaining, instead of being uh, upset about the fact that he's incarcerated, that he's going to do something about it. So he shared his testimony in written form. Many lives will be blessed by this little book that he wrote. Well, how about your life being a blessing to somebody else? What is it that you need to wake up to right now? You see, complacency is habit forming. And many times when we are living in a complacent form, we are complaining. Instead of complaining, let's get up and do something. Let's share the good news wherever we go. Well, number five. We've learned that God speaks grace to the disgrace. He gives grace to the undeserving. We see God's grace in storms. We see God's grace in sleep. Number five, God gives grace to those who thirst for truth. Did you know that a thirsting for truth is a sign of God's grace? Look at verses seven, eight. We're going back to the story of Jonah. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible 
for this calamity. They cast lots, and Lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, "Uh, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble? Uh, What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What's your country? From what people are you? It was trouble in the ship that was causing the storm outside the ship. And the sailors had more insight than Jonah. To hunger and thirst after righteousness means I have this desire to be free from the power of sin, to be freed from the consequences of sin. Hunger and thirst are natural expressions of basic human desire and a need for food and water. One of the clear indicators that something is wrong physically is when we lose our appetites. It is the same spiritually. To hunger and thirst for God is at the very root of our being. It's the way God made us. When there is no hunger for the presence of God, it is an indicator that something is wrong spiritually because that hunger is so basic to human nature. It often finds fulfillment in other areas rather than seeking God. You know, much as eating unhealthy junk food can dull our physical appetite, so that which is not of God can dull our spiritual appetite. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Oh, why don't you pray right now? Lord, would you give me a desire for your truth? Because that desire for your truth is a sign of your grace. Maybe there's something that I need to stop denying this year. Maybe I need to stop denying that I don't have it all together. Stop pretending that I'm something that I'm not. Lord, would you give me that thirst for your truth? Uh, We see something else in who God gives his grace to. God gives his grace through creation. Creation is proof that God is gracious. We are now down at verses 9 through 12. Jonah chapter number 1. Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the God, the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now this terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? Now they knew he was running from the Lord because he already told them. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, and so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm for us? He says, Pick me up, throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. See, here we discover that that God is even working through creation. And when Jonah acknowledges the God of heaven, the God that he worships, he identifies him as the one who is the creator of the sea and of the dry land. You see, when we look at God's beautiful creation, we see his amazing grace. Well, there's one final way in which we see God revealing his grace in the life of Jonah, and that is he gives protection. God's protection illustrates his grace. Verse number 17, so the Lord provided a huge fish 
to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, as we look at this, it's amazing. God provided that fish. That fish swallowed up Jonah. Jonah was kept alive in the belly of that fish for three days. God provided protection through that great fish. You see, God always protects his own. He protects his people. He is the one that gives us gracious provision. I want to thank you for joining me today. Maybe there's a specific way in which I can pray for you today. If there is, I would like you to send me a text message at 252-267-2365. Just send me a brief text message and say, would you please pray for me to have grace in God's protection, grace in God's provision. Whatever area that you need God's grace, I will pray for you and I'll get a team of people to pray for you. There is something about the power of prayer. We pray to tap into God's grace. We pray because we are a needy people. God answers our prayer when we pray believing. The Bible says, whatever you ask in prayer, believing it shall be done. That number one more time, 252-267-2365. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.